Today on the show, we're talking about how to escape minimum wage. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name is Courtney. I'm your host. And as always, I'm joined with my host, Trevor. And today on the podcast, we're talking about how to escape minimum wage. And you know, this topic came to me in, I had some conversations with people who were collecting the CERB benefits. So this is the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit that the federal government's giving. It's it, because of the pandemic, there are people, there be, people are being forced out of work by, by emergency measures. And this is money they're being given to help them survive without a, a job or an income. And the, the, the CERB benefit pays $2,000 a month per person. And the, to qualify, I, I think when they first did it, there was one question. You know, were you affected by the pandemic? I, I haven't applied for it. I, I'm still working. But I, it was pretty easy. Like, okay, the question to get it, it if you think of someone collecting uh, employment insurance, it's very hard and very onerous to to qualify. This, you basically needed to be not working and have a pulse and you would get the CERB benefit. From what I understand... There is groups of people that are falling through the cracks. So I mean, there there's people that are missing it, but it was a pretty easy thing to get. And you had heard stories of people getting it unjustly. Like I know I, I heard a 15-year-old who was uh, laid off from their part-time job was collecting $2,000 a month, which is more than they ever made working. So it, it was kind of crazy. But it, anyway, I would talk to some people who are getting this and they're saying, so $2,000 a month, and they're two working adults, two people out of work because of the pandemic. So they're getting $4,000 a month. That works out to be about $48,000 a year. And these people are, they're saying, I, I, I don't know how much, how I can, there's going to be a whole bunch of bills that are going to go unpaid because of this. this. This is the bare minimum. And I started calculating, well, what does minimum wage, what would that pay somebody? In, so I live in Ontario. So I, I minimum wage is $14 an hour times 40 hours a week, times 52 weeks a year. That's $29,000 a year. Two working adults on minimum wage would make $58,000 a year. So I talked to it. Everybody I knew who was getting CERB said, you know, I won't survive two months on this. So clearly these people could not survive on minimum wage. So I'm starting to think how, how could, how is it possible people do survive on minimum wage? So that's kind of what was the, the, the leaping pad for this this topic. And I think now at this time than ever, I mean, um, we don't, uh, like you mentioned, we don't even have to imagine what it is like to live on minimum wage numbers. Um, some of us have actually experienced that reality. And it's, I think, a very relevant time to, to talk about this. Well, you know, it's one thing to live on minimum wage as a single somebody who's in their early 20s, they just graduated from post-secondary education, college, university, and, and or, or they didn't, they're just out of high school and they're earning a minimum wage and they don't have a whole lot of financial obligations. They're not, they don't have any children. They don't have a mortgage to pay. All they've got is rent. They might not even have a car payment. So someone, a young person earning minimum wage is their first job uh, in the working world. It's probably... You don't have a whole lot of financial obligations, but if you are downsized or you lose your job or your industry goes on tough times and you have to find other work and you don't have a lot of skills to take to the marketplace and all you can get is a minimum wage, I question how long the average person in Canada could survive or a family could survive on minimum wage. I think it would be a real challenge for a lot of people. Definitely. And and that really leads me to my next question for you is there's this saying that that I've 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 heard and I, I sometimes use myself there's um there's a good walk and a bad walk if you're forced to walk from point A to point B because that's your only mode of transportation that might be a bad walk but if you're out for an evening stroll nice evening um on your own accord it's a good walk so do you think there is a difference between um, a family or, or even just two adults kind of being quote unquote forced into living off minimum wage or that, or that serve versus someone who kind of is, is more accepting of that lifestyle because, because it is their only option just because that's where they are at life. And even you look at a, maybe a student just exiting um, post-secondary, 
they have been conditioned to to living that student life. So continuing to live kind of this this more modest lifestyle is not, it's just kind of just walking over a bridge is pretty easy. So I mean, there's there's a huge perspective uh, shift in, in those two situations. Well, a common thing, if somebody were to go into early retirement, and, and this is a quite a common occurrence, I've talked to a lot of people that do this, they get bored in their early retirement. You know, they, they didn't plan it correctly to have enough interest to keep them busy. And they they find they need to take on a, a, a part-time job or some sort of side gigs, some work to, you know, just fill their day. And quite often that job is at minimum wage and they're okay with that. And they, but, but they chose that, right? You're choosing that. If the, if you get, if minimum wage gets imposed on you or your family, it, it's not a choice and you're probably not prepared to live on that particular wage at that moment in time. So it would definitely be a bad walk if, if, if you needed work and all you could get was minimum wage, I, I think that would be a very bad walk. <laughs> no, d- definitely. And I mean, the government obviously put together this emergency response benefit plan to uh, to really make ends meet during uh, a, a kind of unforeseen, very challenging time for a lot of individuals. Do you think then, is this number... so? kind of back on um, kind of back take a step back i mean if a majority of canadians are not living uh, at minimum wage is is it is this number i mean obviously they had to put a number down to say a number x that they were going to support uh, canadians with and that was two thousand dollars a month is do you think that number so it doesn't sound from what you're saying it was even kind of realistic based on as well the conversations you've had with those around you well i think they're probably saying when they were devising this plan, I mean, it was probably done in a moment's notice that we need to get money out to Canadians in a hurry because they we're telling them they can't go to work. They probably were thinking this will at least put food on the table and keep the lights on. Or I actually, I, re, I think I had heard at one point utility companies were not allowed to turn the lights off. So you didn't have to worry about that. So you would forego paying all sorts of bills just to survive. And I think this was meant as a survival mechanism for society in general. And you talked as well about kind of the family dynamic and would you say that, and and you even use the example of uh, someone just exiting school, a post-secondary, whether college or university. So I think I, I, and with like responsibility, so that's, I think definitely a consideration um, to take into mind when we are walking through this episode is just the, the dynamics in which, minimum wage is presented i mean it's just the makeup of the family and the makeup of the situation uh, of of each individual well i think somebody graduating from college university if you're in a position that you could live on minimum wage i mean you just spent four years living the poverty student lifestyle so the transition is not going to be that difficult if you could accept minimum wage you could probably really build your resume and get incredibly valuable experience in different fields and i mean if you're not if you're if you're searching for money then you have to make some concessions on jobs but if you're searching for jobs and you're willing to make concessions on money you end up with a lot more to choose from so i think if you're willing if you could afford so in canada or each province has its own minimum wage nobody can pay you any less than that so if you can and we're going to get into this later, if you can adopt the minimum wage lifestyle as a young person ready to school and be in a position to build that resume, here's a, here's a good example. Just say you're a high school graduate and you don't want to go to college university and you want to build some skills. What if you offered to go work for a local contractor for minimum wage as just a helper? Think of the skills you would develop and maybe even build your own contracting business. That, that's an example where, and you could then be getting referrals from the, the contractor you were, were uh, I'll say, informally apprenticing under, and you could really build a business that way. So I think searching for opportunity instead of money will actually, will bring more long-term prosperity. It's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy where when you search for, like you said, something fulfilling, um, the money might follow. So 
uh, from what I'm hearing then, it's not, I mean, so given even the situation that has, has unfolded behind us with, um, with job loss and with, um, individuals, uh, receiving CERB, it's not, it's not the, the individuals who are already making minimum wage are close to it. Those individuals must have not had much of a lifestyle change and been as severely affected financially when, when kind of the past few months have taken place. Yeah, if you can survive on minimum wage, you're pretty insulated from any disaster. Because even in this pandemic, there's been industries that have just been booming. I mean, if if you're if if just say you worked for minimum wage at a at a gym or like a health a health club or some sort of uh, place that was forced out of business, a restaurant, then and you were making minimum wage, well. Grocery stores were taking warm bodies. I mean, they were looking for anybody. All you needed was a pulse, and they were going to pay you. Actually, I think at one point, most grocery stores were paying a couple of dollars above minimum wage. So, if you can design a life where you can survive on minimum wage, you become insulated from a lot of economic downturns. Yeah, no, definitely. And my thing too, and the the title of our episode is how to escape minimum wage. But I mean, on the surface, and oddly enough, I've been talking up minimum wage. Yeah, since no, and, we, and that's the thing. On, started recording. Yeah, and on the surface, making minimum wage can't like doesn't. I don't think is it. it I think it is sustainable for for moments in time, but. Why do you think then at a societal level, are we like minimum wages? It's, it's has this negative connotation. It is not something desirable. Is that a societal standpoint, societal view because that's been placed on us that we should want to make more? Or is that the kind of the hard cold reality of it and just being able to sustain a lifestyle uh, long term, just day to day? So I don't think minimum wage is a place you can work your whole career at you at some point you need to be in a position to build some wealth and your biggest wealth building tool is your income and a minimum minimum wage income is not going to build much wealth it's like treading water you're going to just if you do it right you're going to just meet all your financial obligations month to month you're not going to get ahead so minimum wage is a great place to be if you're strategic with it if you have a strategy and you, so you're willing to earn minimum wage and you are going to find opportunities be, with minimum wage. Because if you go to a, a prospective employer where you just want to get experience in a particular industry and you all of a sudden are demanding a certain rate of pay, if, if, they, can't, if they can't absorb that cost, then it's not going to be an option. I mean, they could be the greatest company in the world, but if they can't justify your, your, the skill you're bringing to them, if they can't justify paying uh, whatever, whatever wage you are demanding, then they won't. They'll, let, they'll move on. But if you're willing to go in there, and I say minimum wage because that's the least amount they can pay you. You can't go in and, uh, and offer to work for something below minimum wage. That's illegal for your employer. They're not allowed to do that. So you, you have, you're going in saying, I'll take the least amount of money you can legally pay me. And you don't have to say this, but you, I want to get experience in this industry and, and this I'll, I'll take the the least amount of money you can pay me to do and that i i love that perspective first of all but that i feel is not one that is commonly maintained or at least that's how i feel from my perspective i mean i i, th- I feel like when we leave uh, university college we i think we're we're we learn or we're, we're taught to think that we can we have this massive amount of experience or quote-unquote experience that we have gained through the educational system and we are a huge asset to the organizations we're going to but it's sometimes not always that way that we're always that employers are willing to pay us or pay pay people right out of um, post-secondary kind of the the high numbers that uh, one may think that they um, d- are deserving of schools do students a huge injustice they uh, i've been there my kids have been there and this is the sort story they sell you they say 
they they set you up for okay when you graduate okay world i'm i'm ready come and get me that's that's the mindset they try to sell you as a student and i can tell you from interviewing people for jobs that i value experience that there is value in education i'm not undermining it you need the base knowledge so i work in accounting and finance I, I I need somebody who understands accounting and finance. They're educated in it, but that's not enough to move at the speed at which I need them to move. I need somebody who's been through a bit of a war in 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 their work, where they've they've had to overcome some adversity and solve some real live real world problems, and. School tries to simulate these, you know, they, they give you tests and assignments and, but you can tell you, uh, you, you, you don't have to ask a very complicated question to find out if somebody has actually been in this position, you know, a, a tough position in, in the workplace and how they got out of it. So I, I think I personally value, I, I'm looking for a base education. So you need a certain knowledge base, but I value just say, okay, somebody came in with a, a bachelor's degree in, in accounting and another person, and they had five years of experience. And another person came in with a master's degree in accounting and no experience. I'm going to take the guy with the five year experience and the bachelor seven days a week. Like I'm going to take that person, unless they're a train wreck, uh, you know, socially, I'm going to go with the experience over the master's degree every time. And I got nothing against master's degrees. If the guy with the master's degree had five years of experience, I'd take him over the other guy, obviously. I'll, I'll take more education, but I need that. I need some level of experience. No, and everything that you just said rings so true. I mean, I, I am I'm in my 20s, and, and that, was, that has been and was um, my reality. And I've kind of, I think, come to accept that, and I'm sure everyone listening to this is are maybe hopefully nodding their head in agreement, but it's kind of a rite of passage that we all have to go through. But we look around at our parents, at other individuals in our life older than us who we we kind of just assume that our lives will transpire. Our lives will look like their lives due to them and that'll be our reality as well. And I think to your point, we, we like students, I think I just graduate with so disillusioned. And uh, to your point, we all kind of have to go through that 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 very that kind of lower earning period to get to the higher earning period and i want to uh, this kind of leads into looking at this I well I, I i just want to say you know the you're talking about the rite of passage and you, you make a good point there the rite of passage you come out of school and you get an entry-level job and you, you may have solved some problems at that entry-level job but in, in just say you work for a company in an entry-level position for two years that two years of experience is not the two years of experience I'm looking for in a senior position. Do you, do you, know that? you, you have two years of entry-level experience. So you, you need to grow in that position and, and become something beyond entry-level to solve more complex problems. That's when the experience really kicks in. So just because you work for a company in an entry-level position, I'm going to say maybe 80% of your job is clerical, and 20% is is sort of thinking type of work. Well, you've been solving 80% clerical problems, say for two years. That, that experience is only valuable. It's, it's not very valuable to your next opportunity. It's the, the, the 20% thinking problem solving that you've done in that job. That's what's going to catapult you to your next opportunity. Oh, yeah. I know for sure. And I think if, if anyone else listening to this is like me, and I, I think, I guess we're all probably this way, but it, I think it's easy. I know I fall into this trap so many times of, because you, you in, let's pretend those, those first two years that you're, you're out of school and you're working, or even you're just out of high school and you're working, you probably feel like you're really grinding, really, really, really working. And you're, you're obviously learning so much because you're, it's your, kind of your first dive into the, into your profession or field of work or, or the trade that you're taking on. And you probably feel like you are more deserving of the in- of more income or you're, 
you're you're thinking or you're even maybe just hard on yourself for the income that you're making, feeling that you should be making more, pushing yourself to to be making more and, and kind of trying to fit uh, like a, a, a square peg into a round hole in the in terms of, of, of career advancement. And it, is, does any of that resonate with you, Trevor? Were you kind of in that position at all when you first started um, with within your career or finance? So you have to stand out from all your working peers to get opportunities to, to advance. And if you've got a company to take a chance on you to hire you at an entry-level position and you're doing very clerical type of work, you know, just mindless copying and, and if you're just putting in your time, waiting for someone to come and tap you on the shoulder to say, hey, I got something more challenging for you if you're interested, you're going to be copying and working at that copier for a lot of years. You have to, you have to stand out. You have to go look for opportunities. You have to... You have to find things to do that are beyond the scope of what your responsibilities are. You have to do things that you're not being asked to do and succeed at them. That will make you stand out. That, that is what I did to advance in my first company I worked for. And it worked. When I seen how well it worked the first time, I just went, I mean, I just did that all day long. Every time there was an opportunity to learn something new, to fill in for somebody when somebody was off sick, to, to do anything beyond the scope of my the job I was given, I did. And it looked like I was doing the work of three people at some point. And, and I, 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 just, I just made sure I was, my feet were moving all the time. Definitely that like kind of having a competitive advantage just in, in what you do, that, that, that really does, that resonates. The, the biggest thing I know is if you're sitting in a meeting in a boardroom and a problem gets thrown on the table by whoever's running the meeting and everyone on their table becomes a shrinking violet, right? <laughs> they just, they, they want to be as small and as invisible as possible. I lean forward to this day. I still do that. I lean in and I will often be turned down for the opportunity because I, I want it. I want, I, I enjoy problem solving. I've been doing it for years to, because whoever's running this thing wants to give that opportunity to somebody else. I, one of these shrinking pilots, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I just do it at a habit. I just lean in and I, I say, Hey, I've got an idea. And I get sort of, you know, someone puts up the stop sign and says, you know, let, let, let somebody else take a crack at this. I love that. And those are, the, I guess, and, and to your point, those are the opportunities that really make you stand out. And, and, I, I like that you bring these up because, of course, this episode is dedicated towards how to escape minimum wage. And we are going to go on to talk about um, how to actual tangible strategies on how to escape minimum wage. But I mean, that one right there, that is an actual tangible strategy to uh, escaping minimum wage and, and really um, standing out to to earn more because that's really kind of how we can boil it down. We can boil it down to the more experience and the more, I guess, like I would say drive and the more um, opportunities you, you, you lean towards. I like that. I really like that kind of the visual. Those, I guess, are the opportunities that will, will put you forth. Cause that's how we, I guess we do live in a society that values, that shows value, to ba- the value for employees um, and how much they make. You know, here's something I'm planning to do, and this is taking it to the extreme. So when I'm retired, and everyone knows I've got an early retirement plan, I've had a contractor who's done some work for me on my house, done some work for some friends and some family, and I I, I know him, I'm going to say, more than, I, I know him well. And I plan to approach him to ask him if I can work for free as a helper just to learn some home renovation skills. I, I do know s- some home renovation skills, but I want to learn more. And so if I can just watch this guy, help this guy, be around this guy, understand how he thinks, how he approaches, how he solves these problems, I I, that's, I plan to do that. And he, he's going to do a, a kitchen reno or a bathroom reno, and I'll, I'll have to do some grunt work, like some lifting, heavy lifting, great exercise. I don't, I don't mind that either. But I plan to do that just to get some per, some skills to apply to me doing my some of my own home renovations, things I don't currently know how to do or I'm not comfortable doing. So that's taking 
this minimum wage and, you know, building your resume to a whole other level if you're doing it for free. Oh yeah, no, and I that's a it's a, a great way to 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 look at opportunities and, and you know what if even kind of applying that back to the minimum wage thing if that's what you're doing on your weekends if you like you have your nine to five Monday to Friday job and that's what you're doing on the weekends and that's applicable to your career I mean opportunities like that to build your resume I think I, I there's really the golden opportunities are are looming everywhere so I, I love that example so we talked about escaping minimum wage. But right now we've been pumping it up, <laughs> how minimum wage can be your friend. But we're, we're going to get to uh, the, the, the escape part. Definitely. And, and that actually, I have a kind of a, a question for you. And I mean, maybe our listeners are kind of saying, hey, but Trevor, as um, someone, um, a, a senior a senior employee in the financial career, we can kind of assume that y- you might not be making minimum wage yourself. Do you do you still are you still in touch with kind of that drive that motivation that got you to maybe where you are from 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 the day back in time when I'm I can assume that you were making minimum wage. So I I think I me me and my wife we live a I'm not going to say we live a, a pretty close to a minimum wage lifestyle or we could easily adapt to a minimum wage lifestyle at a moment's notice. And I, I wear that as a badge of honor. I, I like no, I, I don't like a lot of frills in my life. I, I find them uh, unnecessary. I, I, I like to look at things and say, how can I optimize this? Now, when I say living expenses, I'm not talking about the microphone I bought to do this podcast or the MacBook Pro I bought to do, to do this podcast <laughs> or the iPhone I might buy every five years. Those aren't living expenses. I mean, when I'm saying living expenses, I'm talking about my my utilities, my groceries, you know, the, 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 the things that keep me off the street, not the comforts of life. And I, I think those things I love to optimize. I just live to optimize those things. And so does my wife. So it works out well. We're not sort of making each other's life miserable in doing it. So, so let me get this straight. You have worked... Um, a t- a, like in your career to be able to be able to get back to making basically living a minimum wage lifestyle. That's and and it, it's kind of like a, it's it's a beautiful full circle, and I think it speaks volumes to how that that minimum living that minimum wage lifestyle can be so beneficial and and just very versatile based on. Uh, both the economy and and, and just and just um, environmental circumstances. I want to zoom focus in now on uh, a really interesting um, a, a thing that we pulled from a St- Statistics Canada on annual income, a study done from 2016, which is the latest study that was uh, was published. Yeah, so the study there's going to be this is a spreadsheet. It'll be on our on our in our show notes, so you can download it and, and look at it. But it, it kind of breaks down by province, by age group, by education level, the average, not the mean, but the average or the mean, not not the median um, income by these all these categories. And I love numbers; it's just it's what I do. So. In looking at these, I, I found it interesting that a couple things is, so high school education, it would appear it goes up by roughly inflation. And in, in the, the age groups are in five-year uh, five increments. And then the, the highest education, it's called university bachelor level or above. Uh, it starts out actually very comparable to um, uh, high school education. But then the the gap grows as the age, uh, as as the age group goes up, and I think the the takeaway from that is that's not going to happen just because you have a bachelor's degree. That that, that isn't going to happen just because you have education. The, the I think the theory is those people are are motivated to do more, achieve more. And in getting that education was the first step of them trying to be overachievers. And they didn't just get their education and sit on the couch and wait for the money to roll in. By nature, that group of people were were striving for better 
and more every single year. And I think that's, when I look at these statistics, so another uh, education category is apprentice. And it doesn't grow as rapidly as the bachelor degree does. And I'm not saying those people aren't any more uh, go-getters. I'm maybe in their line of work, I've never been apprenticed or had to trade. The opportunities don't present themselves as much as somebody who's, say, in the business world. So I think like if you're in finance or marketing or sales or operations in some sort of manufacturing environment and you've got the bachelor degree, so just bear that in mind when you're looking at these statistics. These numbers aren't, aren't the education alone isn't going to move the needle. It, it, it will plateau if you plateau. No, and, and it's it's a really, I, I do agree with you, it's a very uh, in-depth, very enlightening spreadsheet to look at just because it does bring I think when I when what what came to my mind when I was looking at it was just how a little bit of normalization around maybe where where you may be on the the earning scale based on your age as well it just it brings a lot of um, just to be able to look at the average, uh, it's, it's not something obviously you can kind of go around and, um, inquire with, with everyone your age to, just to understand. But it, so this is, this brings, this brings a lot of clarity, I think. You know, this might be a good time to bring up my, the, uh, you know how I love expressions. So there's an, a, a thing called the employment equilibrium. And this is where employers will pay employees just enough so they won't leave the company and employees will put forth just enough effort so they don't get terminated. And if you fall into this employment equilibrium, I, I don't think, you, and just say you have a bachelor's degree, don't count on on you hitting these averages every five years. You, know, you, you have to be, you have to have an overachiever mindset to, to grow in a career. The career is not just going to grow around you. You have to go get it. So with that in mind, should it, as an individual, should you always be wanting to grow or is there anything wrong with, with kind of exerting minimum effort for, for minimum returns? Well, if you start with that mindset, you will fall into what feels like a groove, right? And it'll, it'll be a place of comfort and it will soon turn into a rut and a place of misery after so many years. You will you'll look back and you'll have put 20 years into the, into the same organization and have not moved one iota in, in position. So I think what, what, what looks like comfortable and safe on the surface, if, you, if you're in a big enough organization, you can grow and move within the organization. That's probably the easiest and, and most, uh, the quickest way to move. Switching companies is, is, um, is hard. It, it's, it's risky. I mean, you might not work out, you might not, you know, fit into the organizational culture, but it's, and, you know, finding jobs and, 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 uh, and meeting new people, understanding who you can trust, who you can't trust and all that stuff. It, it, that's hard when you keep switching companies, but it's, I guess, beware of the falling into a groove because it will be become a rut. And you did mention before we do get to the benefits of a minimum wage lifestyle and the problem with minimum wage, you did mention earlier on that at some point in your working career, you will need to earn or you, hopefully you will be able to or you should earn um, at least average income to live a comfortable uh, life and have uh, be able to experience have life experiences. But I guess my question for you is, and maybe one that's kind of plaguing individuals who maybe like me are, are in their mid to, to late 20s um, or even those just kind of just graduating from post-secondary, just exiting high school as well. Where is that? How how do you, that really kind of tough spot, and maybe you remember it too in, in your life, Trevor, that really tough transition when you are just still accumulating your early early years of experience in maybe your first job within your career, how how do you start kind of escaping that near minimum wage point and, and really kind of 
cross over into that next plateau? Are you just, are you, are you kind of just putting in the years till you maybe make like literal years till you make it to the kind of that next age? Or is there what kind of, what's your big, a few big tips or takeaways for individuals kind of in that season of their life? Just make sure you're solving problems at work every day. And if you are solving problems that matter to the business you're working in, if you are solving real problems that are making a difference, you will be gaining valuable experience. I love that. I, and, and that's that's simple and very applicable to whatever job anyone listening may be in. So I, that's, I, I really love that piece of advice. So um, one last thing before we do jump on to the rest of the episode, you, we did mention how the kind of a great part of, of talking about minimum wage is with the recent events that have happened and kind of the uncertainty of the economy in general and, and maybe what's to come. So how does this conversation today on 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 making minimum wage and and just the differing levels of income based on education really kind of come together? Well, we're going to talk about the benefits of living a minimum wage lifestyle. So I'm not saying the benefits of earning a minimum wage, but living a minimum wage lifestyle. So it, we're moving into a, a, if you're not suffering from uh, financial fallout now, the recession that is on our doorstep will affect almost everybody in some capacity. So the, if if you are living a minimum wage lifestyle or close to a minimum wage lifestyle, then you are very insulated from the coming recession. And I, I think it would be well advised that if you're not living that lifestyle, transition as quickly as you can to a minimum wage lifestyle, unless you know you have this rock solid employment opportunity that that, that could sort of withstand the mother of all recessions, which I, I do believe we're going into. And with with what you said just in mind, I can already hear some listeners saying, but Trevor, I have- just, 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 just think about this recession. So before this pandemic, everyone says, you know, we're overdue for recession. They happen every eight to 10 years. So yeah. everyone said, okay, we're overdue. And I, I thought back in 2016, we would have a recession and it never happened. Well, recessions need a trigger. They all need a trigger. And the trigger is usually not something obvious or not something you can see in the distance. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a surprise to everybody. Well, the triggers here, this pandemic, it is the trigger. I really believe it is. No, and I agree. And and so I I agree with you that it is easier. It is more important than ever to kind of scale your life back or get to that place where you are um, making or sort of living as close to minimum wage as possible. But I mean, for those individuals listening today who have a family, a family of three family of two um and who already have those pre-existing um kind of financial commitments in their life whether they are a $65,000 tracker whatever they may be is is I mean it's and then sometimes I guess my question is is it is it always realistic to try to scale back to this this kind of this minimum wage place well it it can't be if it if it is if it makes you miserable, if it's misery, then you're doing it wrong, or it's just not something you can do. I I use the word optimize. I love to optimize everything I do. I love to extend the useful life life of everything I own. I I enjoy that. I find gratif- gratification in doing those things. If that makes you miserable, if that is just utter misery, then then this isn't for you. Move, uh, move on to another episode. I mean, this, this, you're not going to get much out of this one. <laughs> no, but, no. Yeah. But it, it, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, we talked about minimalism. Well, that's not for everybody either. You know, um, my mother like shopping on Amazon and shopping at Costco. Minimalism is not something she would enjoy. Like she doesn't really appreciate any of the benefits of minimalism. She doesn't, I, I'm not judging her. Like that, that's who, who am I to say what, she should enjoy or shouldn't enjoy. Oh, for sure. So with that in mind, let's talk about the four benefits of living a minimum wage lifestyle. And and this is the uh, the benefits of maintaining a, minim- a lifestyle 
that minimum wage would deliver as 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 you've kind of demonstrated that you have really taken on um, despite not necessarily making minimum wage. So the first one is that income replacement is easy. And so before I answer that one, I just want to say that I I do believe you. there's nothing wrong with earning a minimum wage for a period of time, sporadically throughout your life. But if, if income is your greatest wealth building tool and just say, you know, somebody's is a trust fund is their biggest wealth building tool. Well, then this doesn't pertain to you, but most people listening to this, your single building, single biggest wealth building tool is your income or your ability to generate income. So at some point you have to generate an above average income to build wealth. That's just, that's just math, right? I'm not, I, there's nothing, there's no magic behind that. That's just math. So income replacement is easy. If you, uh, we talked about this a couple of times in this episode. I mean, it, minimum wage is the least amount of money anyone can legally pay you. So if you can survive on minimum wage, you and your spouse can survive on minimum wage, then, and I, I think I said, you know, the pre-tax that's, so $14 an hour in Ontario, 40 hours a week times 52 weeks a year, that's $29,120 a year times two working adults, that's $58,240. So if, if it's just two adults, $58,000, that's, 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 I think that's reasonable. You know, I'm not asking you to live in a tent. So I, I think income replacement, you, you could literally get a job anywhere. And the more jobs you get, the more experience you have and the more marketable you become for other opportunities. So just say you worked in a restaurant and then you worked in a grocery store and then you worked as a delivery driver. Well, think of the, the vast experience you have to take to your next minimum wage opportunity if you need to, right? If you, if, if you fall in hard times and you need to find a replacement income, minimum wage, I'm going to say, okay, in a, in a, in a downturned economy, there's going to be fewer jobs to be had. But there's some industries that are going to be up and some industries are going to be down. Right now, restaurants are down, grocery stores are up. So there's an opportunity. No, and that's that's a very great point. We And to kind of contrast that, um, you often say living in a small town, that the opportunities are are more limited um, if for, for jobs that aren't minimum wage. So this is a great example of, of the opposite. The second benefit of a minimum wage lifestyle is you have the option of job variety, which you did just touch on briefly. Yeah, so you 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 just say you you work in a restaurant for a while and you get tired of that. Then again, if 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 you okay, just say you had a, a six figure income and you're a I don't know a a, a store manager or a, a plant manager in a factory, and you get tired of of working for this company. You, the, the just it's an impossible job. Well, if you have a six-figure lifestyle, then and you the only experience you have is in managing manufacturing facilities. Well, you're just going to trade one kind of misery for another. You know, you're you're going to just you can't even think for a minute that you're going to go to another manufacturing facility and it's going to be unicorns and rainbows all day long. It won't be. You're going to have problems there too. So. People that switch jobs and uh, high-paying jobs, they're kind of searching for utopia, which it de- doesn't exist. But if you're willing to, if you can, ex- if you can accept a minimum wage lifestyle, maybe you could take a break from your uh, managing manufacturing facilities and work in a, I don't know, a sort of a carefree job for a year or two, and then go back to your stressful six-figure career. Yeah, and 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 you you do that is a great point too. The the with with more pay may come um, more responsibility, um, whether that's managing more people or kind of more on your plate per se. So that that I I really do like the emphasis on that as well. Number three is you can work your dream job. So there's something I've always wanted to do is work at a museum. I, I love history. And I just love, I love museums. I mean, I, I, I go in museums. A lot of people go in museums and they just sort of stroll through it. I, like, I read everything. I, I just eat it up. I talk to the people that work there and I, I get even more information from them. So I, 
that that's an example where if I'm willing to accept, I don't know how much they make, but if, if I'm willing to accept minimum wage, I'm sure I could get an opportunity in a museum. So that's an example where you, you or I talked about working for that contractor. Just, just say, I, I really want to get into home renovations. That's the, so if you don't put money first, if so money's not the primary, the primary requirement of, of your job, then you end up with Op- options where a, a lot of people don't have that option. You could, you could underbid everybody who wants that job and say, okay, I'll do it for less. You know, what's, what's the, the lowest bidder <laughs> I'm going to get in under that. So that's an example where you could get your dream job or your dream job experience. Now, I love that point. And, and the last one, and we kind of touched on this, but it is the, the fourth benefit of a minimum wage lifestyle is generally it's less stressful. And it, so earning minimum wage and needing every penny to live on, that's not, that's not less stressful. That, that, that's very stressful. But generally, a minimum wage job, it comes with le- very little, very low experience. And the, what, what is the risk? If I lose this minimum wage job, I can find another minimum wage job. So it's generally less stressful for those reasons. And uh, that brings to the end of our first list. And, and just in reflection of this, I mean, Trevor, you just mentioned, I mean, working at a museum, that'd be incredible. And I'm sure there are other, um, and also working for a contractor and, and other opportunities like that, that in volunteering opportunities, that I'm sure you uh, look forward to pursuing post your working career. How big of a motivation has, or how, and how big of a piece too has been maintaining a, or close to it, a minimum wage lifestyle been in achieving uh, the financial independence and, and how motivating has that been in, and getting, I guess, to the space that you are just in general? Well, my minimum wage uh, lifestyle has been a, a huge contributor to my early financial independence, no question. Also, though, my my striving for more and in, in rising up in my career path has probably been a bigger impact than that. So, it, but do you, do you think that um, the the together though they've do you think they've worked in partnership? Could you have achieved financial independence? Do you think? Obviously, you have to live below your means, but if you weren't so focused on kind on really living closer to minimum wage lifestyle in these in in kind of the recent past, do you think that really moved the needle? Well, I, I think it it becomes a double edged sword. So the less money you need to live on, the more money you can save. So it really, I I do believe the my you know an above average income in a uh, i live in a small town so in a below average living expenses has it's just been the perfect recipe for uh, build growing and becoming financially independent early in life no that that does make sense so it's 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 interesting here then that i can't really be boiled down to one thing but just kind of a compilation of of variables so the last two things we're going to talk about in today's episode is the problem with minimum wage and then how to escape minimum wage. So let's talk about the first, uh, the, the, the two main problems with minimum wage. And the first one being, it can limit what you can do in life. So if you are, if you're going to live your entire life, you know, a lot of people that are artistic end up living a life of very low income. there's there's a few people that you know really hit it big but a lot of people just are scraping by and they really enjoy what they're doing if you're happy by all means but money solves a lot of problems in life it it really can i mean it's not the be all and end all in life but it can solve a lot of problems as things come up in your life you could become resourceful and, and try to fix things that break or uh but but quite often, money can solve. Like, I'm not going to say everything, but it can solve a lot of things. Definitely, and and the second problem with minimum wage is that living too close to the final financial edge can cause stress. So if you think of the guy earning the six figure income, he's got job stress, you know, or she's got job stress. They are stressed out at work. They they're trying to solve problems 
that maybe are somewhat, some of them are beyond their ability. You know, they're, they're, they're on the edge of not figuring this job out all the time, right? You know, so the job is really challenging and that's job stress. So if you work a minimum wage job, you don't have, you typically don't have job stress. Like there's, you're not being asked to solve really, you know, unusual problems. The problems you're given are very solvable, right? Quite often, the only problem you have, it's a, it's a time constraint, right? You need to do this in, in this amount of time. That's, that's generally the problem you get in a minimum wage job. But what you're getting in exchange for no job stress is if you're, if you're constantly living on the financial edge, not knowing if you're going to be able to afford rent, not knowing if you have enough money for groceries. I think it's an expression. You had more month than you had money. And then it, that, that, that creates a different kind of stress that's always breathing down your neck, right? That next bill has to get paid. So living on minimum wage for an for extended period of time or close to minimum wage, you will have life stress all the time. And that, that can be ex- more exhausting than work stress because if you're one of these people who can leave the work stress at work, then then you, you at least you can escape it for the time you're at home, you know, eight, 12 hours, whatever time you're not working. But the life stress, you take it with you to work because it's, it's not going away. It's, it's, it's with you all the time. No. And, and, and that, that, that makes complete sense. And the, it sounds like the stress when you talk about both are, they're definitely completely a different type of stress as well, whether you are, you have job stress or, or, or just life stress. So it, they definitely, I, I think they're, it's, they're two beasts of their own. So with that in mind, let's move on talking about our final section of today's show, and that's how to escape minimum wage. And there are five different ways, and the first of which I think is one that we predominantly believe is the only way to escape, or at least that's, that's my perception of it, the minimum wage. And that, that first um, the way, that first how is, is education. So this is the money section of the episode. <laughs> we finally got to it. So, so education you need to stand out from the average guy on the street and you either have an inborn talent or skill or you've acquired one through education. These are, if you don't stand out, if you are just, if, if you go to the job market and you look like everybody else, then you can expect the same as everybody else. And if you've got nothing special to offer, then minimum wage is what you're going to get. So the easiest way to stand out in our society, I believe, is by getting an education. And a little bit can go a long way. So here's a couple things that, so you can take, uh, you can become an apprentice. So that's where you, you, it's a trade, like just say you apprentice as an electrician or a carpenter. You you actually work alongside a, a, a skilled tradesman, learning the skills and you, you go to school as well. So you're going to school and earning an income at the same time. This is, I think this is a great way to get a little bit of education and it will help you a lot in the rest of your life. Another program I've seen, so you can get these accelerated programs. So when I looked up and I thought it was quite interesting was a law clerk. So you can become a law clerk and uh, a lot of colleges offer uh, ex- they're called intensive, but I call them accelerated courses. Intense sounds kind of negative. You can become a law clerk in 42 weeks at, a, at an Ontario college. So that 42 weeks, that, that's less than a year. You can become a educated law clerk. And so there's a 42 weeks of education or as an apprentice, you go out and work, you know, you have to go through an interview and they have to think you're worthy. But if you just say you want to be a carpenter, you go to a, a construction company, you apply and say, you know, you'd like to begin the apprenticeship program. They sponsor you. I, I've never done it, but I've read about it. So, but education will make you stand out. So this is a way to escape minimum wage is, and you don't have to quit your job and go to university for four years. There's other ways to do this. A question for you before we move on to the second um, way to escape minimum wage is, 
as someone who has interviewed people for positions and who I'm sure who have seen um, opportunities that I'm about to mention um, in, in a variety of ways, for you, how valuable or how, when we're talking about the education piece, is it's kind of extra opportunities, whether they're free um, or whether they are paid, just kind of extra, I would say, kind of programs or um, trainings. How, when we're t- speaking about education and I, this again, our next point is I'll spoil it here is ex- experience. How, how, how where does the, the scale tip in terms of kind of compiling on those additional educational moments, um, whether they're day long or, or weekend long experiences? So what I'm looking for is education on top of education, because that tells me this person is, has an appetite to learn. And so somebody who's got a base education, say a, a, a four-year degree at a university, and that's the only education on their resume, they, do, they, they successfully compete in university, but they, don't, they may not have an appetite for learning, continuous learning. And that's what you're going to need to move forward. And, you know, we talked about the Stats Canada survey. That's what's moving you forward in that earning is your your appetite to learn. And it, it doesn't have to be formal education. If I look at someone's resume and I just see one line for education, I, I, I don't see a go-getter. I don't see somebody who, who wants to constantly grow and build build their knowledge base. No, that's, it's, it's, I, I value that, that outside, that outlook and perspective. The next, and I just mentioned it, um, on how to escape minimum wage is experience. And this is the quite often the toughest nut to crack, right? This is the hardest one. And this is this alone is why we talk so much about a minimum wage lifestyle. So m- experience is the hardest one. So if you can volunteer somewhere to get experience in the field you want to work in, if you can intern do anything to get experience. So when you when somebody asks you a question, you can intelligently answer it because you've done it. That's what that's the experience you're looking for. Another easy way, or actually easy, another opportunity to get experience is in in Ontario. Maybe it's in Canada, but I know in Ontario, maternity leave can be up to eighteen months long. So maternity leave, you can get a lot of. It used to be it was like six months. So. In six months, sometimes they, an employer wouldn't even you know, fill that position. They would just sort of limp along for six months without the person. And then when they got back, they'd sort of, people could stop working overtime and everyone would catch up. But now when it's, you could be off 18 months. So the two, th- the great thing about that is it's, there's, the employer almost has to fill that position temporarily. And they can't be terribly selective because it's temporary. It's a maternity leave. You, you, they can't ask you. They, they, they can't expect to get expect somebody to leave a an existing job where it's, they're permanent employed to come to something that's going to end in eighteen months. So, employers are not going to be as the selective when they when they're filling this maternity leave. So they're 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 looking for something more than a warm body, but the and. 18 months, you're going to get a ton of experience in 18 months. You're going to see a whole cycle of the business. So you, you will be able to talk. So if you can get a maternity leave opportunity, then I think you really, that, that is a great place to get experience when you don't have any. So I, I love that example because it's so counterintuitive to and the just, idea of stability and, and, and sureness. It is. And so I, I, I'm speaking from this firsthand. So my wife has got, I'm going to say, three opportunities in her working career in, uh, through maternity leave. And, and every time she was able to move into a different area within her um, industry and gain valuable experience. So she, it, it, it worked and I, I know some other people that have done this and it's worked. And uh, where I work, people have come in filling a maternity position. They're, they're work, they, they, they work so well. They fit the culture so good that I've heard these words spoke by managers. We can't let this one go. We will find a place for them. They're, they're too good to let go. I've heard those words in a meeting. So 
That's how employers, so this is the ultimate 18 month interview for a company and you get a chance to either sink or swim. I think it sounds counterintuitive. You know, you're taking a temporary position and then when this is over, you're going to have to find another job, but you, no risk, no reward. I know. And, and I, that's, that's such a, a golden nugget of, of opportunity. And I, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, the third way that we could escape minimum wage is um, by exercising flexibility. So flexibility, if everybody out there is looking for a full-time, permanent, 40-hour-a-week job, and, and you know, if that's what everybody wants, then there's a huge lineup for those jobs. The, 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 the employer can be very selective when they're picking who, who's going to get these jobs. But if you go in with flexibility, just say you're willing to work seasonal, seasonal, a seasonal job. Say you wanted to be a, I don't know, a work in a provincial park as a park ranger or, or one of these um, people that does the, uh, the learning centers in provincial parks, the, the training. If, if you want, those are seasonal jobs. Well, not, a lot of people don't want seasonal work. They, they, what are you going to do in the off season? You've got to find a different job, another seasonal job for the off season. That's, it's, it's, it's inconvenient, but if you're willing to work seasonal work, you will, if you take permanent full-time and say, I'm willing to work seasonal full-time, all of a sudden you've opened up opportunities and, and being flexible like that creates opportunities. You'll never know. You might work a seasonal job, meet somebody, learn a new skill, take that to the permanent full-time job market. So this is a way you can leverage, again, you're trying to build a resume, get experience, be able to talk intelligently about problem solving in a particular industry. If, if, if you only worked a seasonal job, but you got that out of it, then you got something. And on the same note, another thing that comes to mind as well is um, opportunities with maybe um, more alternative hours, maybe it's it's overnight or or weekend focused. I think there is a more individuals aim for that kind of Monday to Friday um, daytime uh, shift. So I, I even opportunities that maybe fall on on less uh, quote unquote less desirable hours um, might have more opportunity as well. Number four in the fourth way to escape minimum wage is change. So you could be working for an organization that just does not value the skill set you have. Either they don't value it or they their business model can't afford the, the skill you have. And if, if that's the situation you're in, then you just, we talked about a groove or a rut. It might feel like a groove at the beginning, but after, you, you don't want to be looking back 10, 15, 20 years and it be, you look back and all you see is a rut. You were in a job rut for 20 years. That's misery. So just look at where you're working and say, they might be a great organization, but they just, their industry can't, they don't value the skill set I have to offer. And it's not that, it's just a bad fit. Your skill set, this organization or this industry don't go together. So I, I'm glad we're at this point because I have a question for you around this. What, what does that look like? What does that look and feel like as an employee who's in that position? Because yes, like you mentioned, I'm sure you can look back and realize that you were in that position, but what, what, what is that? What does that feel and look like when you are there? Well, quite often we all feel like we're underpaid, but you don't have to, with the magic of the internet, you can figure out what the somebody with with a, a given skill set, education, experience, what they're worth, not just in your industry, but just in any industry. And you start looking at those statistics and you start to realize that a change is required because you're in an industry that just doesn't value or can't afford to value what you have to offer. No, I, that's, that's, I, I like that nice and, and in easy way to comparatively look at your industry. So the final way that we're going to talk about on how to escape minimum wage is networking. So networking, it's really, it, it's knowing somebody on the inside. It's, if you know somebody in an organization that you want to work at, 
That's like having a seat at the table. You have a voice inside those four walls, somebody who can speak on your behalf. So this is, I, I think a lot of people get opportunities through networking, through connections. So if you're looking for a change, you're looking to grow in your career, don't keep it a secret. Tell everybody you know that you want to to grow. You want a different opportunity. Let everyone know what you want to do. You'll never know who's listening and who might have an inside track on an opportunity. I love this point. And a great example of that um, kind of transpired in front of me was someone I know was working at uh, a seasonal job at a provincial park. And um, one of the park superintendent actually in his kind of past career worked as a carpenter. And this individual uh, was wanted to, was thinking of pursuing that and, and just uh, nothing to do with the job at all, but just even the people uh, in your environment, the people that you work with, uh, like you said, Trevor, could know people and, 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 and be able to provide insight on, on just other opportunities. For you personally, when it does come to networking, how heavily has this this single point influenced you and, and your kind of progression of, and of, and growth within your career? So oddly enough, I've never actually got a job opportunity through networking, but I have, I have got promotions and other opportunities within organizations I work for because I networked, because I told people, I didn't say I was unhappy what I was doing. I just said I had aspirations for growth. So by by telling everybody that you know I I I'm interested in a in a more senior opportunity within the organization I work at, uh, that word traveled quickly and and when one became available, it, it would be offered to me. So that I I've networked within. So even within your own organization, don't keep it a secret that you want you want job growth. And I think I think this can be done in a very eloquent way as well than, than running oh, yeah, around the office dragging your feet. Yeah, you, you gotta do it in a very positive manner. Like you can't say, Oh, I hate this job. You gotta <laughs> you gotta talk about what you want, not what you don't want. Yes, definitely. So that does bring us to the end of today's episode on how to escape minimum wage and escape minimum wage in the effect of of kind of reaching and, and achieving um, different opportunities that are pay beyond minimum wage. We started the episode uh, talking about the CERB benefit and how this really shone light on how minimum wage is really impacting us today and, and the fact that we are either being forced to or being led down that path. We went on to talk about um, annual income across Canada and throughout the provinces. Finally, we concluded the show with talking about benefits of a minimum wage lifestyle, the problem with minimum wage, and finally, how to escape minimum wage. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Simple Money Solutions Podcast. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week or two weeks from now as we're now alternating, alternating our release schedule with a brand new show. Until then... Keep it simple.